pray. And Lord, um, we absolutely love you. And we are so thankful for the identity you've poured into us, the reconciliation that you've offered us. And Lord, as we uh, finish talking about that and we move forward to talk about the empowerment through the Holy Spirit, Father God, help us to identify those areas in our life where we need more of you so we can give more of you through us because we don't want to give what we have on our own we want to give what you give us so help us to be good receivers as well as gracious givers in jesus name amen, amen. all right uh before i forget next week andy and paulette are actually going to be here um so let's let's try to pack out the room because they're phenomenal phenomenal speakers um Andy and Paulette, um, for those of you that don't know, are our personal mentors. Um, they actually were members of the Bay, which used to be Calvary, for probably 20 years. 25 years or so. 20, yeah, a long time. Um, and then they moved up to Washington. Um, so they're going to be visiting next week. And um, um, of course, when they were in town, we asked, would you like to teach? Yeah. And um, So they're, they're one of those people that they're very unassuming and as soon as they open their mouth they start talking and you don't you're understanding every word they say but you don't understand the impact of what they're saying until later and yeah. actually this teaching is a result of one of our conversations with them um, just when they pointed out the verse uh, that we're leaning on for this, um, that, um, hi! Hey, I was just saying, Andy and Paulette are coming next week. So, um, where is it? Um, yeah, the verse from Luke that, that we're basing this series on, where given it will be given to you a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For the measure you use, it will be measured to you. We have walked and read around that verse for decades yep. in our Christian walk, and it's normally been um, attributed, you know, you hear it when there's time for tithing and fi finances. You know, give and it's going to come back to you. But if you look in the context of where it is within the scripture, it's actually in the context of relational uh, principles. So in that... Um, that's kind of what got us started right. um, really studying that verse and then going and saying alright Lord how do we give well and um, for those of you that have been here you know really we can't give until we receive and that the gift of receiving well is actually um, to being able to receive well is the greatest gift exactly and we kind of closed last week talking about, well, we did close last week talking about reconciliation. But while we were getting to the point of, and I like what Gene and uh, Ron, who's not here, another Ron who's not here. Well, no, Ron who is not here. The Ron who is not here. There's like three or four Rons in this class, all right? So, so. the Ron who is not here shared, he says, so if I like give a teaspoon of grace, that's all I can expect to have in return, correct? I said, yeah, that's about it. You give a teaspoon of grace, don't expect any more back than a teaspoon. Because that's what, it, it's, it's, it's a scary promise. And just because you give a teaspoon of grace doesn't mean you'll get a teaspoon of grace back. Right. From the person that you're giving it to. Right. So when we, when we talk about, I mean, if we give a, a dump truck full of grace, that's what God said we can expect that. So, and you know, re, you reap what you sow, right? What, and when we talk about reconciliation, what does Christ warn us about forgiveness? He gives us a very stark warning. If we don't forgive, we will not be forgiven. Bingo. That's harsh. That's really harsh, especially when we confuse the concept of what forgiveness actually is. Forgiveness isn't, will you forgive me? Sure, for what? How 
okay, he said he forgave me. So we're good. Forgiveness isn't a lip action. Forgiveness is a heart action. And the process of forgiveness includes identification of what it is that needs to be forgiven. And then a process of repentance, the process of not holding judgment, continuing to not hold judgment for the offense. Forgiveness is not a feeling. That's the other thing. It's not a feeling. And at the same time, it's a conscious decision. It's a conscious decision. I'll get my tongue in order this morning to no longer hold the person accountable, which does not mean that person is not accountable to the fence and won't suffer the consequences. But what it means is I'm not going to hold judgment. I'm not going to continue for the rest of Ron's life to penalize him because he came home late every single day for five years straight. Okay? I'm not going to hold that against him, even though I know he'll probably come home late again. And that's not true. I'm just coming up with a weird example. Um, it's a pro process of choosing to allow God to exact the consequences. Right. And oftentimes we hear this concept of, well, forgiveness means to forget because God forgets all our sins. When we think about that, though, at no place in Scripture does it say God forgets. Forgetfulness is a weakness. God has no weaknesses. Scripture specifically says God will choose to no longer remember. It's a conscious choice. It's a choice I don't think we're capable of making and sustaining, actually, as humans. We can only do that through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Because when we think about, let, let's think about why it's so difficult to embrace that, that message that Jesus taught, if you don't forgive, you will not be forgiven. Because what about the young kid that's been abused for 20 years and can't forgive the abuser? Should he be held responsible for a lack of forgiveness? Should he? Let's talk about it. Should he be held responsible for a lack of forgiveness? Someone that's her why? The Bible says he is. The Bible says he is. Sue? I think a better question, instead of asking, should he be held liable for not forgiving his abuser, I think a better question would be, how can we teach him that, yes, it's impossible on a human level to forgive your abuser, let me, may I teach you how to forgive with the power of God and what forgiveness is and isn't. How would you teach that? On the other hand, <laughs> from what you said, is that he can already know and still choose because a lot of times it's like when it comes to forgiveness, what I was thinking, I'm not ready. But I don't say that we have to be ready. Don't put a time on it. But we as humans, just, you know, just Christian human, human period, no, I ain't ready. They need to suffer. They need to feel what they need. So this is my question. Who is forgiveness for? <laughs> forgiveness is for us so when I harbor unforgiveness for the abuse that's been perpetrated on me um, I'm not I'm not releasing what, what is it being unforgiving 
is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. Mm -hmm. You know, um, anyone remember around Christmas uh, the barber that apparently did a bad job on a kid's haircut and the mother oh, yeah. came back and wound up ramming him with her car um, and he's still not back to work, he's still in recovery, um, you know, from the injuries. Okay. Okay. But when that came out, he <clears throat> sent out prayers for her and the boys, even when they were um, still on the run, I guess, in hiding, whatever you want to call it. Okay. And he, he, he's asking for justice. He's not saying, I forgive them, just let them go and let there be no penalty. Right. Okay. So there's still justice there. But he chose not to be angry. He chose not to. And because of his relationship, and I, I don't know him personally, you know, to say this is his heart. But I can tell you from every person that I do know that has been able to have the power of forgiveness immediately like that, they know who they are in the Lord, and they know who the Lord is. The Lord is not a, a, a vending machine God to them. You know, where I put my 25 cents in, this is what I want from you, Lord. You know, I did my behavior, so this is my expectation. Um, they recognize that the Lord freely gave, and he asks us to freely give. There's still justice. There's still righteousness, and there's still consequences. Mm -hmm. But forgiveness is for us because we have received forgiveness. When I look at all of the times that X, Y, or Z person or incident or whatever has continually um, done something um, at work or otherwise that, um, um, that hurts me, that offends me, that bothers me, that um, minimizes who I am, um, when I allow that, to take hold and not offer forgiveness and forget whom I had, wh who I am mm -hmm. in Christ, um, I walk into a dark hole <laughs> and I become bitter and I become angry and I become a lot more sensitive to what you do and what you do and what you do and all of a sudden it's like, well, no one is liking me right now. And it's like, well, it's not that no one likes me, it's how I'm receiving it because I didn't give. This whole process of receiving and giving works in everything. It does. And one of the things that we've discovered through working with individuals and working with couples is those that have a difficult time forgiving who profess Christ actually have a difficult time receiving what Christ has done for them on the cross. And it's kind of how many of us when people have gone to give us something kind of shy away from it like somebody else could use that more I'm not deserving of that how many of us have thought that at some point or another that's what we're telling God that's what we're telling our father uh, it's it's hard for me to embrace the love that you have for me so as a result I can't really receive the fullness of that forgiveness which makes it difficult for me to forgive others well and aside from that, God died for all of our sins. So God died for <clears throat> stealing pens. God died for... <laughs> I got my own pen. This is a bath. I, I know, it was hilarious. My sister, she, she was over um, our house, and she, she inadvertently took a pen, and she gave it back to me this morning, which was wonderful. Um, she's like, I saw this by accident. So, I don't care if you keep the pen. Um, <laughs> but in all honesty, you know, if we intentionally steal a pen, in God's eyes, that's the same thing as committing murder. Something as, as innocent as, as innocent as stealing a pen, in God's eyes. The consequences are very different. Consequences are different. But stealing a pen is one of the reasons why God went to the cross, why Christ went to the cross. Right. And for me, well, give me one second. For me to say, God, I cannot forgive them 
for taking my car, for breaking that dish, for, for hurting me the way they hurt me. I'm telling God, in essence, that what you did wasn't enough for their sin. It was only enough for my sin. Right. Right. Yeah, so I, I had to learn about forgiveness. Mm -hmm. I know forgiveness the hard way. Because um, when I had a divorce, like a year later, she moved the kids five states away. And I was paying my child support and stuff like that. And then sitting down with the pastor, and I go, Well, I'm done paying child support. You know, I can't forgive her for doing this. I was trying to get this pastor on my side, right? <laughs> well, you were the wrong party. <laughs> but, well, right, you know, and I was hurt, right? So he looked at me and he says, dude, he goes, you are in a bad place. And he quoted that scripture about, you know, you're not going to forgive, you won't be forgiven, right? And so he goes, you know what you need to do from this day forward? He goes, you need to pray for forgiveness, for her, but you also need to pray for her salvation. And pray that your relationship gets reconciled because she's still the mother of your children. Mm -hmm. And there's always going to be, have to be communications through that. Mm -hmm. Right? And this was over 30 years ago. But I mean, you know, this is like, okay. Uh, so I started in that prayer every day. I just started in that prayer, praying for her for my forgiveness, praying for all of this stuff, right? And then I think it was a couple years later, we had, we, you know, because we go see the kids every year and have them come out to us, we went out there and spent a week in her house with her husband and, you know, and with the kids. But it was that reconciliation, wow. that power of prayer, reconciliation happened. Uh, you know, that was the, one of the hardest lessons I had to learn. And in that moment, I see prayer not as trying to convince God to do this, which is often what we see prayer as. The whole purpose of that prayer was to change your heart. Yeah. That's what the purpose of prayer is, to change our heart, to change our inclinations toward God and toward one another. Which is depending on the content of our prayer. Exactly. Lord, I can't take him anymore. You have to do something to fix him, change them. I can't. Right? How many times are our prayers like that? Fix them, Lord. Here's my 25 cents. I'm coming to you with my petition. Make it happen. Because it's a magic God. No. All right? The, the God that we serve and the model that he gave us is to humble ourselves if if we're if we're praying for somebody else and we're praying for healing and stuff like that that's one thing but if we're if we're praying to god about a broken relationship if our prayers don't start with these words jesus help me to see them the way you see them that's what we should be looking at Jesus, help me to see this person the way you see them. Because right now, through my pain, through my hurt, I can't do it. But I know that if there's to be reconciliation, that I'm going to have to see them the way you see them. And Lord, even if it's not to the point of reconciliation in the fullness, mm -hmm. um, there needs to be enough reconciliation still for a relationship. And that relationship could mean just that we can stay in the same room without killing each other. Okay? To get to the point where you're both in different relationships and you can be civil to one another and respectful to one another and to come together to some type of agreement, even if you're not in full agreement on how the kids should be raised or whatever, speaks to the power of the <clears throat> Holy Spirit to be able to, to do that. Because that's, in essence, what it takes. Yeah. So we're going to close this short discussion on forgiveness with two other points. One, forgiveness does not automatically mean reconciliation. Actually, it's just one thought. What did Jesus say on the cross before he passed? Before he died? What were his words? Forgive them, 
for they know not what to do, right? Can we all accept that Jesus' death on a cross paid for it was all sin is forgiven, past, present, future, right? It's finished. It's finished. That's what he said. It's finished. That's what he meant by that. So why doesn't everybody go to heaven? Because not everybody receives that. So there can be forgiveness. There can be forgiveness extended, but reconciliation still requires two. Forgiveness requires one. Reconciliation still requires two. So if Gene was, I won't use Gene as an example, somebody else just clearly offends me. All right, I'll use an example of my dad. He beat the living daylights out of us, six boys, routinely. I extended forgiveness to my dad, but not to him. I extended it, God, Lord, I forgive him. It doesn't mean I have to be in a relationship with him. I don't have to, because in order to reconcile, there has to be two playing in that party. There has to be a willingness on both parts to have proper boundaries, healthy boundaries, healthy conduct toward one another. If I was in a situation where I'm just pounding on Jean, Jean can forgive me, but she doesn't have to stay there. No. Scripture doesn't say that. And Jesus never modeled that. So, when, and... The, the other thing about forgiveness is oftentimes we excuse behavior without forgiving it. We use the words, I forgive you. We use the words, I forgive you. Or we just dismiss it. We, You know what? I know Gene didn't intend to do that, so I'm just excusing it. You know, that's just the way she was raised. I'm excusing behavior. Well, if behavior could be excused, there would have been no need for the cross. Bad behavior has to be forgiven. It can't be excused away. It can't be thought away. It can't be dismissed away. It, there has to be a forgiveness that takes place. We've done teachings on forgiveness um, in the past, but I just want to add one other thing. Sure. Um, in a close relationship or in any relationship, it's generally a good rule of thumb. How do I say this? Not to flaunt your forgiveness. Um, I'm trying to think. Um, you know, I forgive you for being an inconsiderate slob for never putting your dishes in the sink. Is not a good way to present it. <laughs> Okay, I'm just, you know, it's like, I, I'm the bigger person here, and I forgive you for this continual offense of being an inconsiderate slob. Okay, now we may have had, and, and we don't, Ron is actually really good, all right? Again, I'm just kind of coming up with off-the-cuff um, examples, but there's a lot of households where things like putting dishes in the sink or loading the dishwasher or making the bed or picking your socks up from the floor, whatever it is, these small issues are really big irritants, all right? Um, and, and they are things that cause a lot of stress in yeah. relationship. And friction. And, and friction, yeah. And when you are choosing because your other person may not be in this class um, the other person may not be a believer it could be someone at work all right or someone you know your neighborhood your neighbor that you know their garbage can is over always overflowing and their garbage is throwing into your neighborhood you know or blowing why can't I talk today um, blowing into your neighborhood you don't want to go up and say, well I forgive you for being a slob I forgive you for you know it's it's you got to deal with your own heart. Yeah. And the forgiveness first starts for choosing to forgive between you and the Lord. I choose to forgive this person. Right. And then there's wisdom in how to approach the other individual. Exactly. exactly. It all starts with forgiveness. 
So I want to share with you a sequence of events as we move into discussing about what the Holy Spirit gives to us. Because we talked, the Father gives us identity. The Son gives us reconciliation. So what does the Holy Spirit give us? We all know Simon Peter, right? The great apostle, stick, foot, mouth, disease, all that stuff, right? All right. In John 1.42, Jesus encountered Simon for the very first time. Andrew introduced Simon Peter to Jesus. And Jesus said, your name will no longer be Simon, it will be Cephas, which means Peter, which means rock. So as soon as Peter encountered God, he was given a brand new identity. His name was changed. And then in Matthew 10, 23, Christ said that if anyone should publicly deny him, then Jesus would publicly deny that person before the Father. Read that again. Christ said that if anyone should publicly, and here's what Christ said, if anyone should publicly deny me, I will publicly deny them before the Father. Now that's one of those verses we read over and over and over again. Let's let the truth of that sink in for a moment. You going to read that? I am going to read that. All right. It's uh, Matthew 10, 23. Yep. yep. And why, why are we bringing this up? One, because who did he say that and what are we discussing? Forgiveness. And identity. Um. Okay. We got the wrong verse. Yeah. Give me a second. Which version are you reading? Uh, I'm sorry, guys. I had the wrong okay. verse. In Matthew, Matthew 10, 33. But if you publicly deny that you know me, I will also deny you before my heavenly Father. Okay, so let's think about that. Here he called Peter the rock. And then he makes this statement to everybody. And then what does Peter do? Denies Christ three times. In public. In public. So now I want, Peter didn't die at that moment. But let's think about this. What if Peter had died in that moment? What does scripture say? God wouldn't forget him. Even worse. I mean, not having forgiveness from God is one thing. What? Jesus, who spoke the Father's identity into Peter, is going to look at the Father and say, I don't know him. I didn't say that. Whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge my before my Father in heaven. But whoever dis, disowns me before others, I will disown before my Father in heaven. So what does disown mean? What do you think? Well, I, oh, what do you, uh, let's, let's, Jesus says, come to me as little children. How would an eight-year-old think that through? Because as adults, we want to think the best of everything. It's hard for us to imagine a, a loving God who would deny somebody who's lived for them for three years. But that's what Scripture says. The word is deny. It's hard to sugarcoat that. 
So I'm just asking that question. If he didn't, if Peter had died, what would have happened? Ron, you mentioned a lack of forgiveness. I think, in my opinion, that's bad. But having a person who spoke identity into you, going before the Father and saying, I don't know. In all the company of heaven, in public. It's one thing to remember a person in your will that you have bad relationship with and, you know, I leave my millions to them and I leave you five dollars. To me, that's unforgiveness. You know, it's kind of like, you're remembered, but it's to disown is you're not even in the will. You're, you're, you're totally ignored. Yeah. David? It kind of makes me think of the whole one saved, always saved premise. But that maybe you can lose your salvation. Which doesn't fit with the rest of the way I read Scripture. But yeah. Well, because that's what, I, that's what comes to mind when you say that. Scripture, scripture says that we cannot be plucked from his hand. That's what scripture says. We cannot be plucked from his hand. It doesn't say we can't walk away from it. Oh, and I just thought of what is the unpardonable sin? The unpardonable sin is going to the grave denying Christ. Otherwise, there is no sin that is not pardonable. Everything can be forgiven except denying him to get rid so then what I would think from there would be maybe they were maybe that three years where there was no that heart change hadn't happened yeah I mean this is this is um it's a tough teaching, folks. So, so you're saying that, that if he had died, he wouldn't have gone to heaven? Well, this is, this is the deal. We're saying what the Word says. We're, I'm just... I'm, but I'm asking for clarification about that word, denied. Does that mean denied... That's heaven? how I interpret it. Denied heaven? That's how I interpret that. Okay. Because, because the Father stands as... Or the Son stands as mediator. The sun stands okay, as and we've all heard of the imagery of you know we're on a court of law and it's like hey dad I'm you know that when when um, we stand before God the Father um, when we've accepted Christ we wear a Jesus mask and that's who God the Father sees right. you know Christ well if Jesus is saying I don't know you keep in mind and stay there keep in mind and let's this is Jesus. God is seeing Jesus. What if Jesus steps aside? Who is God now seeing? Sin. Bingo. That's why I believe that had Peter died, he would not have seen. That's Ron's belief. That's not necessarily theological written in stone. And the reason why we say that is because this is this is, in my belief, mm -hmm. one of those answers that um, we will only know for sure when we reach Judgment Day. You know, because we are not God. His word also says that our heart is deceitful above all things, um, which means that the lies and the truth that we tell ourselves, we get confused. Yep. At so, the same time... I don't want human sentiment to take away from the Word and what the Word says. And that's why I brought out those two very difficult verses. Because human sentiment will often get in the way of accepting the truth of God's Word. So now, but the story did, David, and then Gene. So, what's the next one in my head? <laughs> if the unpardonable sin is denial of Christ, that would fit with what you just modeled up there. Mm -hmm. um, if, as a Christian, I sin, I do. Sure. Um, if I were to die before I had a chance to ask for forgiveness for that sin, 
My sin is not a denial of Christ. Your sin's not a denial. So therefore that once saved, always saved concept still fits because denial of Christ is not just sin. That's a step beyond that where you're saying, I'm not just making a mistake or doing a willful decision. I'm purposely saying you don't exist. And there's and there's also a difference. There's also a difference. There's also a difference between saying, "I don't know if you're real." I don't know, you know, having doubts in our relationship, versus choosing to walk away and deny. If you look at Peter, um, if you look at Peter, yes, he did deny Christ at, three times. At the same time, he was one of how many that stayed around? And let's face it, Peter did throughout throughout their time together. Peter did express doubts, didn't he? Having doubts in a relationship is reasonable. Peter sinned, didn't he? He's a bonehead, just like the rest of us. He sinned. That sin wasn't going to do it. His denial of Christ was going to do it. <clears throat> Had not something happened, Gene? Yeah, just I mean, in the context of this Matthew 10, um, basically um, it's putting, sending the disciples out and he's giving these instructions. You know, it's like as you enter home, receive the greeting. If the home doesn't take you, just, you know, brush off your feet and go um, to the next uh, go to the next place you're going out as sheep among the will wolves excuse me um, you're going to be um, brought to persecution but when they arrest you don't worry about what to say or how to say it because at that time you'll be given what to say brother will betray brother to death and father his children um, children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death you'll be hated by everyone because of me but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved when you are persecuted in one place flee to another truly I tell you you will not finish um, going through the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes okay and then that's the beginning of it it says a student is not above the teacher nor a student uh, servant above the master um, it's enough for students to be like teachers and servants like their masters if the head of the household has been called bazel Beelzebub, there we go, um, how much more the members of his household. So do not be afraid of them, for there is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. What I tell you in dark, speak in the daylight. What I whispered in your ear, proclaim from the roofs. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside of your father's care. And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So, <coughs> so don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. But whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before others, I will disown before my father in heaven. Don't suppose that I have come to bring peace on earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. I have um, come to turn man against father, dirter than that. Anyone who loves your father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves your son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. Whoever welcomes me, and anyone who welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. Whoever welcomes a prophet. I mean, this, this teaching goes aligned with what Pastor John is. What are our other gods? It goes along with what we're talking about forgiveness. Are we trying to take the place of God and hold judgment against someone else? You know, are, are, in, in all of this, are we recognizing the, the magnitude of what the Godhead has given us even in just presenting us as who we are. There's not one person, and, and even your girls, they're twins, but they don't, there's still differences because God created them individually. We're all different body types. We're all different um, 
combinations of characteristics and, and strengths, personality, um, there's a uniqueness about us created for a purpose. And in that, we forget. And we say, oh my gosh, you made me so short. I can't stand it. How come I have to climb on the counters every time I, I need to get down something? Why can't? Okay. But do you know what I'm doing at that point? When I'm complaining of that, I'm complaining and saying, God, you didn't do a good job. Because I forget that I'm created in his image and that he's the one that... When I'm sitting there and saying, he did it again. I'm complaining and I'm saying, God, what you did in this man isn't good enough. You know what stands out to me in all of that reading, especially in the beginning, is that before men, before others. And what I get from that is that we, because of our thoughts and feelings of men, can be a discourage of someone relating with God. Because it's, it's didn't say if Johnny in a room by himself and deny. If I'm going to be a witness for God and deny him, and I, I don't believe it's just through lip service. I think it, I believe it's more with life, lifestyle, and sustaining and standing with. But it's somehow it's like before men, before others. It's and, a good point. And I, let me say one thing then uh, back there. Again, what I said about Peter that is my belief based on my what I see scripture saying which he has done not done an in-depth theological uh, study on whether or not Peter would have been saved because the bottom line is he is he is because there is the rest of the story that I hope we get to today <laughs> in the back hi um, I actually have a scripture okay Pretty much said the unpardonable the sin. Um, I know that he was talking about that. The unpardonable sin um, is um, you have mentioned. I'm sorry, I don't know your name, but the unpardonable sin is um, when you blasphemy uh, mm -hmm. the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. And so, um, uh, let, actually, let me go ahead and find it because I, I lost it. But if you uh, blaspheme against the Holy Spirit, then you you will never uh, be forgiven. Mm -hmm. And so, um, so you can um, you can um, pretty much let me actually find it because actually I want to prove to you that um, let me actually find it. I'm sorry. Okay, we're going to hold that thought for now, okay. if that's okay, because okay. yeah. we're going to move forward. Because again, when Sue was talking about deny, you know, what does that mean, right? And then, go ahead. Okay, it says in Matthew 12, uh, 21, and, and so I tell you, every kind of sin is, um, every kind of sin and slander can be forgiven, but blasphemy against the Spirit will never be forgiven. Anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven, either this age or the end to come. So pretty much um, God is going to forgive you if you um, if you do anything, but if you but if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive your yeah. sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness, First John 1, yep. 9. We, um, for all have sinned and fall and have fallen short of the glory of God, Romans 3, 23. But according to this, in Matthew 12, uh, 31, it says, if you speak against the, um, the Holy Spirit, then that's the unpardonable sin. Right, and so now we have to, and it goes beyond the scope of today's lesson, but it's good food for thought, because what, how is speaking against the Holy Spirit defined? What does that look like? Because what is the role of the Holy Spirit? What's the role of the Holy Spirit? Guide you. Huh? Guide you. Before that. He can't guide you unless you've accepted Christ. So what is the role of the Holy Spirit? Scripture says what the role of the Holy Spirit is. To bring 
conviction of the need for Christ. So when we deny that, we are in essence denying Christ. Like saying we don't need them. Bingo. Yep. Yep. All right. Okay. The story with Peter is not done yet. I love Peter's story. In John 21, 15 through 17, did you notice that John is the only gospel in which the restoration of Peter, the reconciliation of Peter, is even mentioned? Matthew doesn't mention it. Mark doesn't mention it. And Luke doesn't mention it. Why do you think John does? Well, he didn't do it for this reason, but it's how scripture is put together. Who is one of the major characters in the book, book of Acts? Peter. In the beginning, Paul's in there too, and a whole bunch of others, but Peter is really a primary figure, especially early on in Acts. How would it have looked if we jumped from Luke to Acts? Because Luke also wrote Acts. So how would it have looked if we went from Luke to Acts? There was no restoration of Peter. What's Peter doing there? John was the only one that brought restoration to Peter. And, and, and discussed that, documented that. Now, what did Jesus ask Peter three times? Do you love me? Do you love me? Why do you ask him three times? Yeah, why do you ask him why three times? Why do you ask him three times? It was three. It wasn't it three different? It was. But it was. It was. But why did he ask him three times? Oh, because he denied him three times. You know. You know what? How Scripture is so good. Jean and I work with inner healing, and one of the things we take people back to sometimes is their biggest, their their deepest pain to introduce Jesus into that moment. There's no scriptural background for that. There's no scripture that says you can do this. But that's what we've learned to do. That's how the Holy Spirit has guided us. Jesus took Peter back to his biggest failure. He actually recreated. He recreated the scene. There was a fire. All right. The, the third time that, Christ, that Peter denied Christ was around the fire, right? Around the campfire. And the word for that particular fire, you know, because there's lots of different. We can do a charcoal fire, brick fire, you know, okay. So the wood and everything else used for that particular fire is the same word that was used when Jesus was after um, resurrection on the beach. They were out fishing? When Jesus created that fire. When okay. he made that fire. It was the same. They used the same word. In a Greek. I'm so excited about that. It's so cool. Because what Jesus did is he took Peter back to the moment of his greatest failure. Do you love it? Yes. Do you love it? Do you love me? Yes. And yeah, we can get into a theological discussion about the different words used for love and everything else, but the main point of that is Jesus met Peter at his greatest failure and restored him. Isn't that cool? And it's still not done. The story still isn't done. And testimony after testimony after testimony of couples that we've worked with, when one person is willing to meet the other person at the point of their greatest failure and offer hope and offer redemption, it changes lives. It changes lives. It does. So in John 1.42, Jesus spoke into Peter his identity. At the end of John, Peter experienced reconciliation with Jesus. And then in Acts 1.8, Jesus promised the Holy Spirit. And the word says to give you power. And then in Acts 2, 1 through 4, we have the baptism of the Holy Spirit. 
and we have Peter being filled with the Holy Spirit along with many others. The difference between, and this is what we're going to be talking about next week. Two, Not next two week, weeks. Two weeks. The difference between Peter at the fire when he denied Christ and Peter over here when he said, I am not worthy to be crucified right side up, crucify me upside down. Because I'm not worthy to be crucified in the same manner as my Savior. The difference in that was the empowerment of the Holy Spirit that Peter received on that day of Pentecost. The same Holy Spirit that every single person in this room has access to. The same Holy Spirit that gives us the ability to stand silent in the midst of persecution or to speak out in the name of justice. We have access to that spirit and we've been given power through that spirit. And what we've been given is an empowerment love like God love and to receive and to receive and to give because we can't preach the gospel without that <laughs> you know I've, get, I've given you all the power to preach the gospel to the nations we so often misinterpret that we've been empowered through that baptism of the Holy Spirit, through the Holy Spirit to love like only God can love because that's what's going to change nations I can flap my gums from here to the rest of my life, and it ain't going to do anything. I still remember Jean asked me, after I told her I loved her for the 15th time in a single day, who are you trying to convince, you or me? It's the empowerment of the Holy Spirit that actually allows us to live out that love, and that's what we'll be talking about in a couple weeks. I was hoping we get there today, but the story of Peter was just too good to pass up. Comments? Questions? Snide remarks? We love you guys. Go enjoy the game. You want to pray us out, babe? Lord, uh, we thank you, Father. I, I know that uh, there's not one thing said or unsaid, Lord, that doesn't go beyond your knowledge. Um, Lord, there's a lot that was discussed today that um, can bring up questions, can bring up um, different things, but Lord, let each of us search not just our own hearts, but also your word um, for a deeper meaning on how your word applies. Um, Lord, we know that, as the writer says, there's not enough room to contain all of your knowledge. But, Lord, help us to just build on the knowledge that you've given us, not as information that we can stack on a shelf or throw at someone else to prove where they're in error. But instead, Lord, uh, let us start with ourselves. Let us use your word as um, the beginning place and the ending place for the deep transformation of our heart. Yes, Lord. So that we can serve you and serve others as you so desire. In Jesus' name. Amen. Love you guys.